Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hola, hola, my name is Ricardo. I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway in a brand new day. For February 28th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms or applications. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. If you would like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast. You can set up a one-time or recurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, joined alongside, as always, Case Slow. We're the original kings of content back again, Case. Is that what we are? I don't know. It, it, that has been rolling in my head for like the last month that I wanted to use that on the show. And you know what? Does not feel good. I thought it would be a funny thing. <laughs> not as funny as I thought it would be. <laughs> I really like that. That's um I look, it's a it's a it's a delightful crown, I'll take it. I certainly like I am grossed out by people that use the term content creator as a positive. But yeah. I know I know people that are that proudly call themselves that and then always I, I'm ready for a new word because even in, in what we do and then in my professional life I'm talking about content i'm producing content i'm developing content i would like a new word yeah you would think that by now someone would create a new buzzword that would encapsulate media i guess like media creator sounds so much better than content creator oh that oh that's good i like I'm, that i mean shouts to marshall McLuhan. you know he figured it out of course i i mean who 
I, I have no way to getting out of that case. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know why I wanted to bring up my the things I had to read in media history courses, but Marshall McLuhan kind of stuck out as the person I always kind of identify with the phrase media. Well, can I can I ask you something off the top that's not on our run sheet? All right, let's do it. What's up? Have you watched any of the Fantastic Mania tour? That is on my watch after I am done recording tonight, especially because I'm hearing my main man, someone that years ago I was like, he's going to knock him dead on this tour. Sobrano's finally getting the his just desserts that I figure was going to happen three or four years ago on Fantastic Manias. I have three notebook matches for Sobrano on this tour, and I've watched three of his matches. I'm actually going to go back and watch the first two shows just to see what he did there because I was so captivated by him on the last three. But he's he's great. And it was something that I remember when I called that he was going to break out. It was before he was supposed to do that Ring of Honor New York show that completely went to hell. Oh, oh, I don't even remember that. L like he was booked for a Manhattan Center show. OK, whatever. Like and it was like him and Ultimo Guerrero and others. And I was like, oh, Sobrano, he's going this is going to be his big coming out party. And he kind of laid an egg. But but now I'm glad to see that he's doing it real you know the screw master is back again yeah the hechicero match from today february 28th and the dokai hechicero and templaro match versus sobrano mystico and el desperado on 226 those are both really i went four and a half on both of those i went four on him versus teton but i went four and a half on the other two but i i bring that up and, and it's actually you know he can very much fall into this category of guys I was thinking about this week with by the time a good chunk of people listen to this commander will have made his AEW dynamite debut and the, the people that catch it beforehand, you know, commander will be on dynamite tonight in a ladder match, which sounds very exciting. It really got me thinking about dragon gates place in the English speaking ecosystem, which is one of the things that you and I harp on constantly of what they can do to grow that audience and what they can do to sustain that audience. And seeing Commander go to Dynamite, seeing all the coverage that he's got over the last year, and deservedly so, he was one of my 50 best wrestlers in the world. And I thought when we did the SFM 50, he would actually get a lot more support than he ended up getting. It's so interesting to me the way people think of dragon gate now because I, I don't know where you existed in this bubble mike but did you before he was in gleet did you see a lot of hey man commander needs to go to dragon gate he'd be so great there did, did you see a lot of that take because i did not not as much as i would suspect and especially considering like like on Spears of Asians, like talking about stuff of like this i was like no i want to see i i feel like the two of us have been like no he'll be good there but that was just us like yelling into our echo chambers i guess yeah I, I see it with him and you know i certainly think about it as i'm watching some of these cmll guys have a year and and lucha very much is having a moment much more so than they had you know obviously during the pandemic but you know i've been in the hardcore bubble for a decade now and i don't remember a lot of times outside of the Roosh versus LA Park feud where Lucha was having a moment the way that they are now. And it's interesting to me that, that Dragon Gate is not linked to these guys. You know, Lucha and Dragon Gate are cousins. I feel like there was a point in time 5, 10, 15 years ago where whoever the hyped high flyers were 
it was oh god what would you know what would they look like in dragon gate what would they look like against this dragon gate wrestler and that seems to have bypassed any of the discussion i'm not advocating that people should waste time on cmll versus dragon gate dream matches because those are not going to happen outside of maybe the all-star junior festival which we'll talk about in just a minute but i think the perception of dragon gate among english-speaking fans has changed from this is where the high flyers go this is where ricochet and Pac and rich swan and flamita and bandito belong and it has gone to if you are a young wrestler who needs seasoning this is the promotion you want to end up in it feels like a, a tonal change that has happened slowly over time but i think dragon is now more known for good young wrestlers than they are good high flyers yeah, and I would say it as a training outpost. I mean, the, there's one line that I can make for why that has changed so much, and that is Shima leaving. And Shima no longer having that role that he once did. And when when like that role changes, and we've seen how it's kind of changed over time, it, it, there's just not as much of an emphasis on it. And not, luckily, I would say, with this new silver age of talent that's come through there's been a new thing to capitalize on but it is something that there is a disconnect now that exists because the emphasis goes now to these young wrestlers than it was towards the wrestle jam days with uh dg usa after that and then even like dating into like the fledgling days of strong hearts and then the split like it's just a different promotion in that regard that now the emphasis is clearly you know cranking out this young talent and that's been something like the dojo system we always talk about but it's something that i feel like is kind of a highlight now where it should have been for a long time well jay said on our podcast about a year ago it, it might have even been longer because i think he was specifically referencing private party which certainly feels like a dated reference at this point in time but he was talking about you know the current iteration of dragon gate is not interested in projects they're not interested in part-timers if you're going to come over to dragon gate you're going to be a dragon gate wrestler and that is not not the tone of the promotion as it was in 2006 2007 and it's funny you mentioned wrestle jam because i started thinking earlier today i was like god wouldn't it be fun if they did a dragon mania japan tour and you know they had all these luchadors come over and they had some americans come over and, and then i realized I am proposing Wrestle Jam. This has already been done. This was done 15 years ago. There's a reason we don't do it anymore. Though I do miss that ring apron. But, like, it was a very pretty canvas that they had. For I Wrestle completely Jam. agree. And then and it, only you, we, it. We, we were on the podcast when you blew my mind and you were like, yeah, Japan, America, Mexico, Wrestle Jam. And it was like, holy shit. I, <laughs> they, really, <laughs> they really got me on that one. Yeah, and it it's something that I think that well, when you talked about like when Jay came on and was talking about like the difference in strategy, difference, difference in focus, I think that there is always going to be a certain path with Dragon Gate with my understanding of their dojo system that there can be that level of international talent and flavor, but it is going to be through either you do the training and that's it and you pay for the training or you as jay said like you become a dragon gate wrestler and you devote yourself to it and it's not just oh i'm going to be taking tours here between my other dates 
in Big Lucha, which is largely where Commando worked in Mexico last year, is very much the Switzerland and the Drangate Gleet relationship because they do have their working partnership with Gleet. As a fan of Big Lucha and a fan of Drangate, I'm a little disappointed that they that, that Drangate didn't win that partnership, but you still see Fujiwara's work there, Espikento's work there, Estrella's training there. there. There's a neutral ground there, but Mike... Perhaps you can shed some light on this because I say it purely from a speculation standpoint. You might have a more factual basis on this. It certainly feels like since the OWE split that any talent that is going to come from Mexico has to have the Ultimo Dragon seal of approval. Absolutely so. Yeah. I, I, I the, When I was referring to how things change with Shima not being the person kind of famously okaying people it's now ultimo i mean you gotta make sure the principal likes you and you know it was it was a source of tension for us when diamante first came in because diamante in 2019 was not the wrestler that he is in 2023 you know now he's a fairly spectacular high flyer who is the best base in the world and offers all of these great things that can a drangate when he came in in 2019 he was kind of clumsy like an old luchador but he was a young guy and it, it immediately represented a shift from, you know, this is not Flamita and Bandito. This is a more traditional style of Lucha that Ultimo has attached himself to, you know, throughout his career. And so, it, you know, it doesn't surprise me that Commander was never on the table for Dragon Gate, but the discourse or lack thereof in terms of like, God, we should really get this guy over to Japan. It, it really surprised me. And seeing as as how Lucha's having a moment right now really got me thinking about that today. And, I mean, I, I feel like we have to acknowledge the fact that people were not really able to come over to Japan up until six months ago in the capacity that one would want for a new wrestler. You know, I mean, it wasn't like that the, that the Japanese State Department was handing out visas. No, it'll be three years next week that Japan shut down. And, uh, you know, we've told the story on this podcast before from, you know, things we've been told internally. Look, Diamante stayed in the dojo during COVID and the wrestler who was also over from Mexico, Jimmy, did not. And you've seen the positions that Diamante has been placed in ever since. And you see that Jimmy has not seen Japan ever since then. And part of that is, again, logistical issues that are out of their control. But the way it was explained to me was, diamante's family now and, and jimmy is not you know he did his time he was a good wrestler while he was there but he went home and and thus he is now home yeah and i i think that it goes back to like the root of the of the conversation of just the changing strategies like it wouldn't have been seen as such an issue 10 years ago if it would if that would have happened but now with how things have changed and things have evolved now it's an issue and you know being family is what counts in Dragon Gate nowadays. And when we look at how this month has gone with Dragon Gate, you could kind of see how these things kind of, like how the company a little bit recedes back into your mind when we talk about Rey de Parejas and we talk about this weekend's Kobe show. It's their annual Kobe show each year in the Art Center. Uh, okay, it's just overall big picture takeaways. I A little up and down for me personally. Yes, it, it it was one of those Dragon Gate shows that starts hot and then it's got a, a dire middle stretch and then 
normally I would say it ends hot. I, I don't know. There were some good and bad with the final two matches here. O- overall, an enjoyable show, but not one where I'm going to tell everybody, you know, stop what you're doing. You need to watch this. I think there's two or three matches that are really worth your time here, but as a show, it had its flaws. Right. So I'm going to go through the results real quick, Case, and then we can pick out the stuff from the show that we really kind of enjoyed. Uh, or first, you want to talk about attendance. It ended up being 368 for the Kobe Art Center. You know, this is not a building they run very often, but it was something very apparent that I think the tickets went on sale during the old restrictions and you know, some places like when you announce in those restrictions, you have to stick to it as like as we see with like DDT right now. And I feel like that that kind of came to play with the art center. Yeah, so they did like Mike said, they did 358 this year. Obviously, Ray Day Parejas tournament main event, BB Hulk and Coach Menorah versus Hyo and Ishin. Last year, February 27th, when they ran this building, they did 318 with a, I remember, a notebook-quality main event of Big Boss Shimizu, Dragon Daya, and Yuki Yoshioka versus Hyo, Kai, and SB Kento. Mike, do you remember what else was on last year's February Kobe show? Was this the one that had the K-1 fighters show up at? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Um, <laughs> there was a show that K-1 fighters at. I'm positive about that because of Akuda. Oh, oh that was... That was uh, an Akuda thing, right? Right, yeah. I don't know if it was then or it was at Wakayama, but I distinctly remember MMA fighters at like a venue that looked like this last year. Was it? Oh, I'm thinking of, I think like Akuda versus SB Kento for the Brave Gate belt had something like that, but that was in Osaka, but I know what you're talking about. And I don't, I don't think that was it. What I was going to reference was one of your favorite matches of last year. Jackie Funky Kamei versus Takuma Fujiwara in a 15-minute time limit draw. Oh, yeah. That match was incredible. It was something special. I forgot that it was Art Center. I could have swore that was Sanbo. No, that was that was the Art Center. Uh, 2022 was the first time they ran this building because I think they ran a different Kobe spot in February of 2021. And... Last year's show was really good. I think a little bit stronger than this one, but 358 in attendance compared to 318. That's what you like to see if, if you're Drangate looking to recover. I should also note the day before this show, the Dragon Kid Homecoming show in Aichi, that show did 362 fans. Main event, BB Hulk, Coach Minora, and Dragon Kid versus D Courage, Daya, Kakuta, and Yoshioka. That show did 362. The last time they ran that building, it was July 2nd. It was right in the midst of Kota Minora's dreaded summer. And that show did 246 fans with a main event of Shimizu, Jason Lee, and KZ versus Kai SB Kento and Shun Skywalker. And Coach Minora in the semi-main event, Dragon Kid in the opening match. A massive jump in Aichi, and that, I think, goes to show you, one, just the damage that Coach Minoru did to their summer, but then, two, that is something we talked about. That is a good market for Drangate, and that, that showed on the 25th show. Yeah, and uh, actually, his homecoming was the Tokai show. Oh, was the day before? before? Okay. Yeah, I don't have an attendance there, but, I mean, Aichi, I mean, they're, they're going around the same prefecture. Right. So, I mean, they're still basing it around the Nagoya guys. So it still holds up. Your point still holds up there. 
Well, yeah. I mean, look, you know, you and I have been analyzing COVID attendance, I think, a little bit longer than than some other some other podcasts out here, because once we had a baseline about a year into the pandemic, we could at least go off the understanding of here's where we were in 2020. Here's where we are in 2021 and and 2022 and beyond. And it's why sometimes you and I might hyper fixate on being up 50 fans or down 80 fans in a town because the Japanese market as a whole from New Japan on down is dependent on every ticket sale they can have right now. So whereas maybe you know in 2019, if we were analyzing a show in a market where one show they did 850 and the next show they did 800, you and I might go, oh, it's basically flat, move on with our day. But COVID has not uh, allowed that sort of... Uh, uh, lethargic nature to analyzing this we have to really look at every ticket and to see a plus 100 plus 120 to be exact almost uh, a plus 120 jump in a market as important as aichi that's a good sign for dragon gate yeah no absolutely so and especially when you think about that that's these are buildings that like people will like your other promotions will run like nagoya and they might pick another one and and Aichi, but we're talking about they did not even touch Nagoya and they were doing cities around the prefecture. And that's, you know, I mean, I, I made a comment about this and it's something that I think is really true. You take a look at the entirety of the modern Joshi scene and you look at like interviews about how they get into wrestling almost to a person. You will hear one name case. And what is that? Dragon Kid. It is Dragon Kid. So and so, so the fact that they do this and they make such an impact around Nagoya overall with Dragon Kid, it is something that they've done now for 25 years. And we'll see it go on because this guy is timeless as long as he's willing to. Well, we talked about it the last time they ran the Nagoya Conference Hall. And I'm going to look real quick to see when that was to point people back in that direction. Uh, if they if they missed that episode, that was the Dragon Kid and Ultimo dual sort of celebration. So that was December 11th. So whatever week preceded that on this podcast, we did a huge breakdown on the Nagoya market and how other than New Japan, Dragon Gate is so clearly outdrawing every promotion there. And Dead or Alive 2022 outdrew a pair of G1 shows, I believe, in the bigger Nagoya building. So anyways, anytime you see Aichi floated out there, it's a big market for Drangate, hometown stars, hot crowd. It's a big deal. It was up in attendance over last July, and this Kobe show was up in attendance over last February in the same building. That's right. And talking about hometowns, let's talk about Drangate's hometown. The results from this show opener was the Decourage a team of Madoka Kakuda and Yuki Yoshioka versus the Mochizukis of M3K. Hand a god on Mochi for the for Madoka Kakuda to move Courage Ass to six points. Second match: Ginki Kagatora and Kaito Nagano versus the uh, the the Gold Class team of Ben and Minorita, along with a Golden Stalker Chikawa. Uh, Kagatora won with a victory roll after a triple torture rack. Uh, Yoshiki Kato versus Takashi Yoshida. It was interminably long, and Yoshida won with a Boston Crab. The next match, uh, Strong Machine Army JNF versus Shunkai. It was a big upset win, one would say. Strong Machine J getting the machine, the machine suplex on Shun clean, leading to a Dreamgate challenge we'll talk about in a little bit. And then coming back from intermission, JFK, Jason Lee, Ho Ho Loon, Kung Fu Masters versus Dragon Kid, Eita, and Daya. 
Jason won with a maximum driver on Daya and made the pure or made the Brave Gate challenge for Champion Gate. Ray de Pareja, semi main event. So, Sumo and Kanda, the original Dragon Gate tag team, did original Dragon Gate tag team things against Doyama with a double ring out committee. We'll get into what all this means for the uh, Ray de Parejas finals. And then the main event was Kota Minora and BB Hulk of Gold Class versus Ishin and Hyo of Zebrats. R301 and Gong on Hyo. So, Minnow Hulk advances on. A, a lot of moving parts on this showcase. Uh, you, you referenced to it early on. We had a really, really hot start of the card here. And it, I thought it was the blowaway match of the night. The uh, Mochizukis versus Kakuda and Yoshioka. Yeah, to look at the card from a match quality perspective real quick. The opening match is absolutely where it's at. I really hope, and, and I know some people in the Voice of Wrestling Discord had echoed this opinion we uh, you got to hope this is not the last of the Mochizuki Mochizuki tag team. You know, we saw what they could do in a trio last year and a lot of those matches were fun, but they they largely told a story of Junior quite frankly being less than the caliber of his opponents and thus it took away from the match quality a little bit. There's none of that now. Junior was just absolutely stunning in this tournament. A phenomenal wrestler. This was a spreadsheet match for me and well worth your time and it's on YouTube. Yeah, I was four and a quarter on this. I, I, The thing I liked really much, if we take a look at the end of block play for Rey de Parejas, was the fact that we got the storyline with the Mochizukis of Junior starting to make his big step forward, maturing, however you want to look at it. Mochi taking the fall here, as Junior was really getting less and less Misaki Mochizuki, frankly, in each match, and becoming more and more of his own guy it really kind of struck me during the entrance i was like wow like we looked at him last june and as like oh god he is just like his dad and now we're seeing what mochizuki jr is as his own person and we got to see that through this tournament and that has been such an absolute delight to see i completely agree so well worth your time there i i think mike i, I think we can get into ray day pareja stuff as we get into the cork and preview, I want to talk about this Dreamgate situation. Yeah, so we were we've been speculating for the last few weeks because of Ray de Parejas. Like, there's no real emphasis devoted to any of the other titles, and uh, Champion Gate is this next weekend, and le- they only had two televised shows left, and they decided to do in the last block match Strong Machine J pinning Shun Skywalker clean. It's Shun's first clean loss since getting the Dreamgate. Uh, and then immediately doing a Dreamgate challenge for what we assume will be the main event of Night 2 at Champion Gate. And case I guess the, the, the big thing we should probably talk about is this Dreamgate position and Strong Machine J getting his first Dream Key heading into Osaka this Sunday. It's a massive spot, and it's one that I was not necessarily expecting. I really thought, uh, you know, the closer we got to Champion Gate without a strong, clear match for the Dreamgate belt, they're going to do Shun versus Dragon Kid. They've got a natural rivalry there, two big stars. Dragon Kid has never challenged for the Dreamgate belt in that building, so it's not like they're beating him like a drum like they do for Dead or Alive. Felt very safe, felt very calculated, felt like it was the direction they were going to go. And then instead, we saw Shun Skywalker and Kai run over the Double Dragons team in Fukuoka last week. And once they did that, I was I was left extremely confused 
on where we were going to go. And Mike, I don't know about you. I did not see this turning in Strong Machine J's favor. I'm kind of stunned by this series of developments. Yeah, it was not what I expected. But case of when we were doing our pre-production for the show, you you brought up like the position of Champion Gate as this. And it made me go back and look at some stuff and look at what they've used Champion Gate for in the past case. And just like a jumping off point, this is kind of a testing ground. If you start looking through the past Dreamgate matches and it, through Champion Gate, if it's not going through a storyline or just wanting to have a good match, this is one of those places that they're willing to give people shots to see them in the main event or as an, a reward in some ways. Yeah, so there's been, what, 11 Champion Gate in Osaka. Let, let me go through these Dreamgate main events real quick, and I think at some point you'll hear a definitive tone in the way that these dream gates have changed, because you start off in 2012, it's Shima versus Pac. 2013 is Shima versus Yoshino. 2014 is Masato Yoshino versus Ricochet. 2015, BB Hulk versus Uha Nation. 2016, Shingo versus Susumu. 2017, Yamato versus Cyber Kong. 2018, Masaki Mochizuki versus Ben K. 2019, Pac versus Shun Skywalker. 2020, Doi versus Susumu. 2021, Shun Skywalker versus Kaito Ishida. And 2022, Kai versus Big Boss Shimizu. Before I kick it back to you, Mike, I, I want to reiterate a point that was made to us last week. You know, I reached out to, to someone in Japan and I, I basically expressed my concern. I said, you know, they've spent so much time on this tag league. It doesn't look like they're going with Dragon Kid what are they doing in Osaki? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned that they're not going to have any sort of house. And, and this person reminded me, look, it's Osaka. There's a guaranteed number of fans that are going to be there anyways. And this is not one of the 1A versus 1B superstar Dreamgate matches anymore. You know, we, we've come a long way and have certainly taken a different perspective on this show than 2013 Shima versus Masato Yoshino. These last few matches, you know, Pac versus Shun in 2019, Shun versus Ishida in 2021. And and for as much as I love him, I think I do over overrate Shimizu's star power at points in time. Kai versus Shimizu in 2022, to your point, very much proving ground matches. Yeah, so in the list of people that you had in those main events, I counted six first-time Dreamgate challengers during that. So... As you're saying, the fans are going to be there. So you even go back all the way to the first one with Pac. And constantly, this is a thing of saying, like, how are you in this scenario? Do you live up to it? Or are you someone that necessarily, it's like, maybe not for you. Maybe take a step back and reassess later. But one of those matches case is a historic one with, uh, if my timeline is right, I have no reason to believe it's not, the uh, BB Hulk versus uh, Ricochet match. If the, I'm right, uh, uh, Yoshino versus Ricochet. Yoshino versus Ricochet. That's right, because it's BB Hulk the next year. That is the first foreigner winning the Dreamgate title. That is correct. The infamous uh, homepage of F4W Online, like you always talk about, with Ricochet holding both the Freedom Gate belt and the Dreamgate belt, and that that is very much as as we look through the history of these Dreamgate matches, sort of a rare, highly important Dreamgate match. You know. By 2014, Yoshino is Yoshino, and I I, I would put Ricochet, I'll, I'll say this, and you can certainly fight me if you disagree, I think 2014 Ricochet was a bigger star than 2023 Strong Machine J. 
Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely so. But you keep on going through that list again. Pack having the Shun Skywalker's first Dreamgate match. Benke is like that was a huge test for Benke in 2018. That's what this is. It was Champion Gate is the proving ground of the Dragon Gate Dreamgate picture. That that 2018 match is a match that kept me invested in Dragon Gate at a time where I really did not want to be invested in Dragon Gate. I, I was very much burnt in 2017, largely uninterested in 2018. And, you know, this is two months before, you know, the single biggest shift in the history of the company outside of Ultimo leaving. And, you know, I remember at the time, you were on top of it. You know, you you were on top of this OWE split. You had the, the scoop before anybody else. And I was just, quite frankly, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I didn't care all that much because I, I was really struggling to find interest in Drangate. And that Mochizuki versus Ben K match, which you're exactly right. It was a proving ground style of match for Ben K. And I thought Ben was so good that it it reminded me that I love this promotion. Yeah, that was such a fascinating one because Ben won in the lead up in three minutes and it was like Masaki Mochizuki said like all right we, you, you did it once you caught me now it's time for you to go in the deep end and as we saw with Ben K it was kind of hit and miss with him in the picture until nowadays but it was such a big thing to have a match like that it was such a big thing for Shun Skywalker to have that match in 2019 and for Strong Machine J when you like look at where he is with his peers this is a big thing that you know like we've seen him in we, we've seen him really progress over the last year, but Case, as the number one shareholder in Strong Machine J Industries, you have to feel pretty excited to see that your guy is now getting his first dream key. Well, it's it's surreal in a sense, because look, I mean, Strong Machine J was awesome in that match. You know, the Strong Machines versus Shun and Kai in this Kobe show. I went three and three quarters on this match, and with all due respect to the aging Strong Machine F, and with all due respect to Kai, who I, I quite like, this was a match between Shun and Strong Machine J, and J in particular has a really interesting ability to take an ass-kicking and still look tough. It's a very fine line, because he takes a beating from a lot of these guys, but he always remains, you know, quote-unquote, in the fight. The, the thing that is crazy about this, Mike, I, I know if I ask you, you know, hey, what are the Strong Machine J singles matches? You're going to have a tough time coming up with that answer. The, the list is actually smaller than I thought. On record, he has 10 career singles matches, and two of them are in Ryuku Dragon Pro, so we have not seen them. He has Eight career singles matches in Dragon Gate proper. The first one being it was him and Ben K. December of 2019. They had a 20 minute time limit draw on Corkin, and that match was a disaster. That was a a real sign of concern for both guys. Ben was not any good. Strong Machine J was not any good. That match was not any good. He had an empty arena match with Ata. He had a quick match with a, a brand new, fresh out of the womb, Takumi uh, Hayakawa in December of 2021. And then last year, a singles match versus Ho-Ho Loon, a singles match versus La Estrella, a singles match versus Shun Skywalker, another singles match versus Ata. And then a week ago, he had a singles match versus Yoshiki Kato. Eight career Dragon Gate singles matches, and they are putting him, what it seems like, in the main event of Champion Gate in Osaka. 
it's going to be interesting. I think that when you have, when you're talking about Strong Machine J, like, he's always going to have both the baggage and the bonus of being Super Strong Machine's son. And I think that it's something that will be fascinating to see how he is able to translate like that kind of pull into this when he's so clearly inexperienced as a singles wrestler. It's not like folks remember a ton of super strong machine singles matches either too. So it's not like there's a mold uh, that we're trying to see him break from or inhabit. It just does not necessarily exist. No. And you know, I, I will hold on to as somebody who's optimistic on one strong machine, Jay's future and two, just this match he had a six-minute King of Gate match with Shun last year. It's on YouTube, February, I'm sorry, not February, but May 25th, 2022. Six-minute, basically, TV-style match, and I, I remember coming on this podcast the next week and going like, yo, that was really good. That was a six-minute match, and it felt like they left a ton on the table, like they're going to circle back to this at some point, and I, I did not expect it to be in this situation, but here we are. And, you know, simply over the last year or so, really since he's joined Natural Vibes, there's been an air of consistency with Strong Machine J that at prior points in his career he had not had, but now when I see his name on the card, singles match or not, I, I'm not biting my nails and wondering how it's going to turn out. He's a very solid pro wrestler, and this is his opportunity, much like Shun had with Pac in 2019. You know, Shun was hotter, I think. He was coming off of the rookie ranking tournament and a singles victory over Ben K, but let's be real mike i i don't think you or i watching that Pac match were expecting two-time open the dreamgate champion shun skywalker who by the way is one of the most charismatic individuals in all of wrestling it's been a shock to us all even looking at who he was in 2019 a supremely talented wrestler it just so happens that it's a match with Shun in it, but I think that's the model that we need to follow here because if you remember that Pac versus Shun match, and I wrote about this on VoicesOfWrestling.com at the time, there was 0% chance Shun was winning that match. I mean, he had beaten Ishida, and he had beaten Ben K, and he was white hot, but Pac was simply on another stratosphere, and it's very similar to how this is going to be. Strong Machine J has momentum. He's doing the best in-ring work of his career, but Shun Skywalker is on another stratosphere, and the result is not in doubt. The thing that you're going to hope for here if you're a Drangate, if you're a ticket-buying person in Osaka, is just for 2.9 seconds at some point during the match, you can believe in Strong Machine J that this is not the peak, but rather the start of something. And I'm inclined to believe with the work that he's done over the last year that he's capable of doing that. Oh, absolutely so. You want to have the moment of buy-in. And I think Strong Machine J is going to be able to create that. And if you were to ask me this question this time last year, I think you're crazy. But as we've seen since he joined Natural Vibes, how he's been just otherworldly in a lot of ways. And especially considering that this is a guy who's able to emote so well with a, with a whole face mask case. Like, he's going to be able to get so much emotion out of that. And I think that that's going to be the other aspect of this match. It's can we get the buy-in and can we get the crowd to just, like, hope to have that buy-in that he can perhaps beat him yeah again it, it's stunning it was not the direction that i saw them going in and i think it's a bit of a risk you know we have to look at the attendances and and i have the numbers here from 2019 onwards when you know the the company changed over and we were getting these shoot attendances 2019 Pac versus shun skywalker did 1113 fans 
the next year, 2020, which, you know, up to a few weeks ago was really the last true cheering show uh, in Dragon Gate, Doi versus Susumu did 808. And then 2021, Shun versus Ishida did 500. And last year's Kai versus Shimizu did 510. So from a box office perspective, I think I think you you breathe a sigh of relief at 600 fans. You know, you're not going to hit 800 and you better be above 500. I think anything in that 540 to 600 range has to be looked at as a win and anything above that you're popping champagne. Yeah, and especially the fact that you're dealing with two nights, so the first night will be weaker. Like you're going to need that you, you hope the Dreamgate night will pull it up. You know, pull up the average here. Uh, Cases of random aside, I am watching the dark, I guess, from today. And for one, uh, the last match in the old dark uh, recording was uh, was Top Flight, AR Fox, and Matt Seidel versus the Trust Busters. And I don't know if you saw this one, but Slim J completely rolled through the nose dive, and it looked like that. Uh, it looked like that Dante was about to pile drive him again before they moved to the new dark zone. Just an you aside. Know- I obviously have not seen this match, but I did see a match graphic for it, and I legitimately have a note saying, hey, go back and watch that dark match tomorrow, because that looks pretty good. <laughs> hey, Case, go back and watch that dark match tomorrow. I Look, I, I it's a shame that Matt Seidel is on dark duty, because I, you know, last time he rested on Dynamite, whatever that was, he was still very, very good, and I... If I were Tony Khan, I would certainly have him penciled into some Ring of Honor plans. It looks like, did he and Christopher Daniels do something at the Ring of Honor tapings together? I didn't see any of the spoilers. I mean, I did see like photographs of Daniels there, but I didn't see anything of Seidel here. It, the wraparound screen, like they've made this look like the uh, UMBC when they did the uh, Ring of Honor, like empty arena tapings during the last Dying okay. Days and Sinclair days. Like it's actually a really nice look for Dark. You know, it was a really fun tag team. Matt Seidel and Mike Seidel. That was dog days of the pandemic. Just brutal, just hellacious earth. Every single day sucked. But man, I really like seeing those two guys together on national TV. Yeah, yeah. No, that was that was a lot of fun because you also had like the uh, little bit of the the group where it was like them into Kesta versus the elite, like yeah. during the original ev- elevation days. The uh, well, oh, uh, the, what was the first house show called? House show rules or something? The house always wins. I the believe. house always wins. I, I yes, that that was a, I believe that was the main event was the Seidels and Takeshja versus the Elite. Who would have thought? Like that is going to be a, a five star match game question in several years. I'm ready, Joe Gagne. Just send me the DM. Anyways, open the Dreamgate Championship stuff. Like I said, attendance. You you gotta hope for you know anything under 500. Just given that they did that during the the pandemic shows. You've really got to hope that they they hit that threshold, and I think they will again, just with with everything I've been told about the current Osaka market, with the star power that Shun Skywalker certainly brings to the table, and with the fact that, you know, it's it, Strong Machine J is not a dud of a human. You know, he, he's got his followers. He has charisma. I really hope they hammer this match home with the Cork and Hall show, but I, I don't know how they're going to do that, given the way the card's laid out, but... I'm excited for this. This is not something I saw coming, and I think it's something that could result in a big positive for everybody involved. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network, and I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. 
it's Eufy. And let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E330. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one, and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security, though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill in the toolbox. The Eufy has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four month lifespan, two way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24 seven customer support. And you'll love this. None of those pesky monthly fees. Eufy sent me a smart lock 330 and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car. If I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys and the two way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or a roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock ufeofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network not to belabor the point there is a reason why strong machine j is always out doing pr hits there's a reason why he's a likable guy with a lot of charisma so if given like an equal opportunity like this is this has opportunity to be a lot of fun and we'll see about the draw of that there uh, case one of the uh, big stories of this Rey de Parejas was the return of Naruki Doi and Yamato uh, and Doi Yama the longest tenured Dreamgate tag team champions of the time most defenses however case they will not be advancing to the knockout stage of Rey de Parejas this Thursday as Doi Yama kind of bombed out starting in Tokai starting in Dragon Kid's hometown Yamato getting himself disqualified there that pretty much leads them to this scenario where the double ring out committee eliminates them from the tournament while keeping Susumu and Kondo around. I don't think either of us expected Doyama to go out and in the round robin, let alone not showing up in the finals at Corkin. Yeah, I'm really surprised by this. And I, I am inclined to believe that it's a mistake. You know, Drangate has not put forth a lot of effort into these month-long studio months-long stories rather revolving around their titles you know we see in this current era a lot of short reigns a lot of one-off teams a lot of things that we feel like are going to be a thing you know whether it's Shimizu and Susumu or uh, a long Jason Lee and Jackie Funky Kamei title run, or a long Yoshioka and Kakuta title run. And, it, I, you know, I don't believe that big times days with the belts are going to be all that long. I, I think we're approaching the end of their reign. 
it just seems like one of these things where you have a rare instance in Dragon Gate where moving the clock backwards has worked. You know, we've talked about the failed reunions, the the awkward last stage of Kaneska in the Jimmy's era, the Antios era of T-Hawk and Ata. And yet 2023 Yamadoi had a real spark to it and a real level of feistiness to it that I was excited about, that I was really intrigued by. They were so much better than I thought they were going to be in this tournament. I feel like, especially with the fact that Shun Skywalker is wrestling Strong Machine J, Yamadoi should be the ones in the Twin Gate match. Yeah, and you look at how the blocks ended up. We have uh, the Decourage, Yoshioka, and Kakuda, along with the uh, Zebrats, Shun Skywalker, and Kai. And then the other uh, semifinal is Gold Class, Hulk, and Minorah, and then M2K, Susumu, and Kanda there. It's like Kai's going to eat another pen because they're not going to pen Shun here. And it's like, why not see where Yamadoi goes? And then you, as you were saying, there's your night one main event, big time versus Yamadoi. Like it's very, it's very easily laid out there. And I just wonder about this. Like if it's something where dates for Doi, like they have them for these dates, but they don't really want to put a belt on him when everyone else in wrestling is giving him belts. Or with Yamato, you look at how he pretty much lost it into Kai getting disqualification, disqualified. Something we'll get into just in a minute Yamato and the All Star Junior Festival. It looks like that, like using it for the tournament might be it for Doyama. And it seems like such a mistake, but it does seem like that other guys. The two guys are maybe on divergent paths on what might be happening with them in Dragon Gate in the future. So why have them get another plot that you can't really pay off, I guess? If I felt confident that Doyama were going to wrestle for the Twin Gate belts at Kobe World, I would I would not have an issue with this. But I, I'm just not led to believe that that's going to be the case at all. And, and it becomes the double-edged sword with Dragon Gate. You know, in one sense... It's beautiful. And Jay had this tweet and he was exactly right. You know, part of what I love about Dragon Gate and I think what he loves about Dragon Gate and what you might love about Dragon Gate is on the day of the KG Muto retirement show, you have this brilliant match happening in a village across the country. And that was Jason and Jackie versus Kakucha and Yoshioka, this hot crowd full of rabid Dragon Gate fans. And it just feels off in its own little universe as KG Muto retires with all the pomp of the circumstance and, and the pageantry that went along with that, the, the tail side of this, the, 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 uh, the other side of this is, okay, now you've got Naruki Doi, who is very much a guy. Okay. He's, he's in DDT. He's a big champion in DDT. He's got a big match coming up on March 21st. He's in all Japan, which, you know, look, listeners of this show, know better than anybody that all Japan and the Tokyo market has been doing all right for quite some time now. And even if it's not a promotion that I tend to care about, it's always at the bottom of my to watch list. Doi is a guy in all Japan. He's their junior champion. And he is a guy that, that fans seem to be connecting with to some degree. This is where I just think, God, how is he? He's a Drangate guy. He still is a Drangate guy. How are they not making him the guy? This is a promotion where there are times where I think, God, if you're over 30 years old, get out of the ring. I have no patience for you. And yet you've got two 40 year olds here, this once in a lifetime tag team. And I just wish they would lean in for once to what everybody else is doing. 
and it's something that very you could very easily exit strategy of this Yamato turns on Doi. You know, like it's something that uh, who knows what Yamato's next nine months are looking that like there are ways you can get out of this that why not play this at least through Wakiyama? Like, are you to tell me that they could not that even with all this that you could not do whoever comes out of the Twingate picture at Osaka two weeks later in Wakiyama defending against Doyama? That is a main event that they wish they had for previous Memorial Gate shows. Like, why not run with it? Yeah, I, I just, you know, like I said, with the way the Twin Gate division has been booked lately, I I don't have any faith that we're going to see more of this team in two versus two capacities. Now, look, they're teaming up on the Cork and Hall show. They're both unaffiliated. I would assume they'll be in multi-man matches on Champion Gate Weekend because Doyle will be on those shows. You know, you and I had originally suspected that he would be the Dreamgate challenger for Yoshioka. Yoshioka lost the belt. We get the return of, of Doyama. We think, all right, Twin Gate Championship. Here we go. Every other promotion is pushing him, and it is just not the case here. And again, so rarely in Dragon Gate does nostalgia work. So rarely in Dragon Gate does pushing the olds, trademark pending, does pushing the olds work. And yet here they're not doing it, and I, I think they're missing an opportunity. I, I was very stunned by their exit, even if I liked the way they did it. You know, on the February 25th show versus Shun and Kai, Kai pushes Yamato to get disqualified, so not a clean loss there. And then obviously on this Kobe show, they lose a double ring out to the M2K team of Kondo and Susumu. Really tremendous stuff to protect them. I guess that's the shining light in all of this is, hey, they didn't take any clean losses. You know, they had the draw to the strong machines, they had the DQ loss here, uh, the DQ loss rather to Shun and Kai, and then the double count out here. But it just, it feels like an opportunity to strike while the iron's hot and they're not doing that. No, absolutely so. And when you look at the remainder of uh, of Rey de Parejas, they, outside of maybe uh, Yoshioka and Kakuda, I mean, if we wanted to go through our books case, Doyama, it might be the most outstanding tag team of the tournament, so it's not like that they were putting stinkers up and it's some and it's like some of the nostalgia teams that might happen in Dragon Gate. Yeah, I'm, I, I want to do that next week and, and rank teams, you know, one through ten. I think there were ten teams in this tournament because, look, Doyama was great. Shun Skywalker and Kai were great. The Mochizukis were great. Jason Lee and Jackie Funky Kamei were great. And Kakuchi and Yoshioka were great. And right now, having not spent any time thinking about it and, of course, not, not having seen the semifinals and the finals, between those five teams, I don't know who I liked more. You could convince me that anybody was number one in that group and any would be, anyone would be number five in that group, and I would have a really hard time arguing one or the other. So next week, once we see the uh, the end of this tournament, we can sit down and go through that exercise. But like I said, better than I thought they were going to be. You know, I, I really thought it would feel like a tired act in the same way that the Jimmy's Kaneska era did or the Antios, Tiok, and Ata era did. And it did not. They came into that February Corkin show and they kicked ass. And for as great as that show was up and down the card, the show took on a different aura when Yamato and Doi hit the ring. And it was awesome to see. I think that carried throughout every building they wrestled in. And unfortunately, it just won't carry into Tokyo and Osaka this next week. No, I am with you with that. But something that will be carrying on case is Yamato. He's had an interesting last like week or so maybe the reason why he got dq'd by kai and was baited into that is his head has been elsewhere as 
this has been a thing more so with the native fan base than the international one, but Yamato has been on a war path with this all-star junior festival coming up sponge guy produce here and really trying to go after new Japan fans in a way, or as he puts it, new Japan fucking maniacs in a way that, you know, I saw it on Sunday. I was like, case, I think Yamato's kind of shooting an angle here, or he's lost it, or he might be trying something here. And as it's kind of, as the days have gone on past that case, it's been, kind of a little interesting to see i know jay has talked about it a little bit on twitter and it, you have looked around that this, this the situation it's been something i i don't even know how to put it do you think he's just basically hoping to get a response on a show that he's in front of an audience that maybe most of them don't know who he is well you know i, I reached out to somebody pretty close with the situation i said hey what what's the deal with this because you know you and i don't speak the language and there are times where humor or sarcasm or just context get, you know, isn't translated through the Google translate machine. And what I heard back, and I'll, I'll read this verbatim because I thought it was pretty interesting, you know, uh, editorializing here for a second, the person says, look, it's all work. The marks BS. It's something they're doing to drum up interest in the show. But the larger explanation is, and I quote back when Takahashi was floating the idea of doing a junior all-star show, Yamato spoke against it, saying that it's typically uh, typical of the big guys to only acknowledge and use the name value of smaller groups when they need the help. At the time, it was assumed the show wouldn't happen, but then via the undefeated combination of New Japan not having anything to fill their March 1st Corkin date and Lek money ended up making it happen. So now Yamato had to continue this stance, so he's going in on New Japan fanatical fans and threatening to boycott the show. This person goes on to say, it's kind of embarrassing because he's replying to everyone, glad the show is on Wednesday so we can be done with it, end quote. Yeah, so, I mean, it is something that while it was going on, it was just like, okay, because he did, like, it, it, like in his replies, he was responding to people where usually that's not something that Dragon Gate uh, talent does that often on social media, at least on Twitter. I can't speak for line, at least, but it was something that was kind of noticeable and when you look when you think about the all-star junior festival and how things kind of laid out with the show it's happening on wednesday probably by the time y'all are listening to this three matches with dragon gate participation uh yamato is a part of a six-man teaming with hayata and kazuki uh hashimoto versus hiromu amikusa and fujita junior hayato a five-way match shun skywalker can't avoid ninja mac and then also yohei taiji shimori and Sobrano, then a mask man, eight-man tag, Mystico, Gurken Mask, Billy King Kid, Alejandro versus Dragon Kid, Bushi, Blackman Saray, and Atlantis Jr. It, it's something that when you look at this and when you think about what they're trying to do with the show, and I think a lot of this is Yamato uh, thinking like, okay, now I have something to get these fans to get some sort of reaction when I'm in the ring with them. It is kind of embarrassing, but it makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, look, he's in a match with Hiromu, so I, I, I'm okay with it just in the sense of it's something different. And like you said, we don't see Drangy guys interact with people like this very often. You know, they, oftentimes if they're speaking about another organization, it's throwing a congratulations tweet towards Shingo Takagi. This is something very different, and, you know, it was something enough to where I had people asking me about it, you know, what's going on with Yamato, and I felt the need to reach out because I thought it was super interesting as well. and. 
I'm of the belief, you know, we have not talked about this show. I want to spend just a minute on this because obviously we're the go-to Dragon Gate podcast, but you and I just, I think, care about junior heavyweight wrestling in general. What are your thoughts on this show and the card that's been presented? I mean, uh, as soon as they announced all the promotions, I kind of got the feeling. I was like, all right, it's going to be a lot of multi-man tags, maybe a couple, like three-way or five-ways, but it's not really a scenario where I think Dragon Gate talent and the juniors of Dragon Gate, at least in the New Japan's line, will be highlighted. I expected only one Dragon Gate guy. When I saw Dragon Kid was announced, I was like, okay, all right, that's what I expected. Nothing more. Later, Shun Skywalker and Yamato popping up. I think that's nice. I would... I, I Shun Skywalker is not a junior, so that is kind of funny about that. But this overall card, I mean... I, I like the Otani 10-man tag doing something like that for... In his memory, the uh, three-way tag is I like Yuki Ueno and El Lindemann. That's a fun like tag team that I enjoy. But like the rest of it, this show, I mean, it is kind of what I expect, to be honest. I mean, were there any like big swings that you did not anticipate with this card? I think I, I'm just into this show more than other people. And part of that might be when I saw all of the promotions announced, I thought, okay, we're going to have some dumb battle royal and it's going to be eight-man tag, eight-man tag, 10-man tag, and, you know, maybe one kind of cool-looking match, and I, I don't know, I, I'm into this. You know, I, I wish the sole singles match on this show, which is Master Wato versus Itsuke Aoyagi, I wish that was something else. You know, I'm not a big Aoyagi guy, and I'm not a big Master Wato guy. If I could make a change, you know, we'd have a higher-profile singles match, but... The five-way is goofy, but I think the five-way could be good. I think the, you know, the suspected main event, you know, Hiromu is Hiromu. Amakasu's hot right now. And then you've got Fujita Jr. Hayato against the ring from Yamato. Forget the other two partners. That in itself is a super interesting match. But the one that I, I, I continue to think people are sleeping on from both just an interest perspective in a match quality perspective is this eight man tag with dragon kid. You know, he's on the same team as Atlantis jr. It is across the ring from Alejandro, Billy Kin kid, Gurkin mask and Mystico. I, uh, I'm sorry. That's a, that's a cool ass match. I, I am really into that. And if you were to ask me, what is the kind of match that best embodies what junior heavyweight wrestling has been in Japan for the last 30 years, it really is that match. Cause you get Billy Kin kid, you know, the god of Osaka Pro in a lot of ways. You have Dragon Kid, you know, representing the different side of the family in that regard. Atlantis Jr., you know, the uh, the son of one of the biggest uh, luchadors in modern history. Across the ring from Mexico, one of the biggest luchadors in modern his history. And then nice little things like you get Bushi in there. You get the Don of Okinawa Gurukin mask. You get Alejandro, who I think is one of the more underrated people not just in Noah, but in wrestling, that is just a fun match that really does a lot to honor junior heavyweight wrestling. I mean, you think about how Michinoku Pro has the Masked Man tournament every few years, and this is straight up cribbing that in a way that feels appropriate and honoring kind of the legacy of junior heavyweight wrestling in Japan for the last 30 years. I wasn't expecting a J-Cup lineup, and, and maybe some people were, but 
this has the tone and this has the feel of one of those altogether shows from a decade ago, just with junior heavyweights. Uh, again, I wish they would have run this in a bigger building uh, because I, I, I think this card is strong. I would have liked to have known what they could have done in a, in a bit of a uh, bigger place, but I'm into this. I'm excited to watch this show. And I think that masked eight man tag match is a really cool match. And, it, you know, to see Dragon Kid and Mystico in the ring with one another is is something we've never seen before and something that I think could be an absolute delight. Yeah, Mystico uh, famously was on the, the, the side, other side of the split, funny enough, with uh, Ultimo, so did not have the opportunity. No, so so two quick notes on Mystico and Japan. Well, three, three quick notes on Mystico. One, he might be my, two months into the calendar year, he might be my pick for Flair Fez. I am just in love with the work that he's doing. Two, it was so funny watching him on Fantastica Mania because all I can think whenever he wrestles in Japan is in 2016 when he did the Michinoku Pro Tour and won the Masked Man League and then proceeded to stay in the ring and celebrate for like 20 minutes. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. No, that that, that was hilarious. Yeah. So... That was that was a really good look into the ego of, at the time, Caristico, now Mystico, which I, I really enjoy. But as Mike was saying, and we've told this story on the podcast before, but I'll, I can tell it really quickly. So Ultimo and Drangate split 2004, and Ultimo's next big project is Dragon Door, which had financing from Live Door, which was... How would you describe Live Door, Mike? A internet concern. I, that's the best way to describe it. Like they had blogs, they had like their own online portal. I think they did online shopping, not dissimilar to various other platforms that kind of become overwhelming in in East Asia, like Rakuten and stuff like that. That's the best way I describe Live Door. I think they also were an ISP too. That they, they, they were a concern. So, there the, the the bottom line is: look, there's money behind. Dragon Door, and so they go into this debut show in Cork and Hall. The date on this ended up being uh, September seventeenth, two thousand five, and I don't know what the proposed match was. I am assuming it was Ultimo Guerrero versus Mystico, but I do not know that to be sure. But bottom line is, Mystico is blowing up in Mexico, and Ultimo, because he's Ultimo, books him for his first Japan tour. Mystico is supposed to make his Japan landing on this first Dragon Door show. And he doesn't get on the flight. And I don't know why he doesn't get on the flight. But bottom line is he's not in Japan. And word gets out. And a year removed from the Dragon Gate split, the story goes that BB Hulk and Magnum Tokyo showed up to Cork and Hall with a bouquet of flowers and mocked Ultimo and said, we'll work the show for free if you want us to. And Ultimo, you know, obviously they were told to fuck off. And I think that explains the Magnum Ultimo relationship quite well. But that is a real sliding glass doors moment. If Mystico makes that first show, we don't know what becomes of, of Dragon Door, which then once they lost the funding became El Dorado. Yeah. Uh, Live Door had a massive scandal. I just did a quick Google search to make sure I was not misrepresenting uh, Dragon Door. Uh, they had to pay over $88 million in damages to six different companies after their fraud was discovered. And this is 2004 we're talking about. Yeah, I would like to know from anybody listening if they remember what match Mystico was supposed to be in because the the semi-main event on this show was Ultimo Guerrero versus Ultimo Dragon under the Tiger gimmick for the CMLL World Light Heavyweight title. 
And then the main event, and this is probably the most famous Dragon Door match there is, it was the four-on-three handicap match between Shuchi Kondo, Takuya Sugawara, uh, and brother Yashi, Aganisu. And they wrestled Kota Ibushi, Little Dragon, who is Sugi, Milanito Collection AT, and Taiji Ishimori. Just an insane collection of names on that squad. Yeah, and it's interesting to see how that went and all those people ending up on that squad is insane. Yeah, so that is that is the story of Mystico in Japan. That is the preview for the All-Star Junior Festival, which by the time most of you hear this, that show will have already happened. Perhaps I'll look like an idiot. Perhaps the show will be an unmitigated disaster. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Perhaps Yamato goes in business for himself and chokes out Hiromu. We don't know. All we know is he's working right now. Yes, so that, that that explains if you follow Yamato on Twitter, but you know, you don't know what's going on, he's shooting an angle and he has decided to go really in depth with it. Yeah, like he was threatening to uh boycott and then he lost his phone. Like it's it I, I, I wonder the veracity of that phone disappearing. <laughs> somebody, somebody might have uh slipped it in their bag real quick and said, oh yamato where, where's your phone at oh nowhere got it okay got got it oh look it fell it, it's on the floor of the bus how that happened <laughs> <Yeah. Huh. laughs> mike the uh the open the dream gate championship not the only championship direction we have coming out of this kobe weekend we also appear to have an open the brave gate match scheduled for osaka that's right. After the uh, Kung Fu Masters Trios match, uh, Jason Lee did a challenge for Minorita. It's been made for Champion Gate. And, you know, we've talked about Minorita in this Brave Gate run. And now we have to contrast that with the overall conversation we've had for the last few years, Case, about Jason Lee, about, hey, coin flip here. Like, are they going to have this be uh, Minorita continually winning by the skin of his teeth? He gets the crap kicked out of him everywhere else, but he gets it together in Bravegate matches, or are we getting Jason Lee Bravegate champion? Do you think it does damage to the Minorita character if he's a zero defense champion? No, because I feel like that everyone kind of has always had this uh, mindset about him of, oh, this is going to be a fun, quirky thing until he loses it. And that has been something that they've done historically a lot with the brave gate so i don't think him being a zero defense champion is going to hurt him especially with the fact that he is just a ball of charisma and then everyone's waiting for the next time he makes a big upset uh, i'm i'm undecided on that you know look no, nobody's a bigger jason lee fan than me he, he might be my favorite wrestler on earth i obviously want him just for, as a as a viewer as a fan I want him to have the Brave Gate belt, but this certainly feels like it's trending in a direction where Jason scoops him up for a maximum driver and Minorita finds a way to hit a flash pin out of it. You know, that, that seems very realistic in the grand scheme of things. I, I feel like they want Minorita to have a match on a big stage. You know, uh, the, the picture of him on the big stage with the tiny belt seems like something Drangate would get their rocks off with. And it, and it just seems like until we hit dead or alive, he's going to be the Brave Gate champion. You know, if this was a world where Dragon Gate would get fair coverage and your Tokyo Sports or Weekly Pro Wrestlings, you know how badly they want to have Minorita with a little belt on that cover. Yeah, you know, they you know outdraw promotions who are on the cover regularly, but, you know, they're limited to one page like always. And 
You're, you're exactly right. I mean, this is a this is a thing. If if any other promotion could achieve any sort of comedic greatness, it would be covered in droves by the press, and it's just not. And and Minorita is ultimately a victim of that because it's certainly in another era and another promotion. Look, if Minorita was in Hustle, everybody would lose their mind over him. But we're in Dragon Gate, and and people, you know, the people that know know, and the people that don't don't, and it's it's unfortunate, but. Right now, I lean towards Minorita making a successful defense, and that's a bummer because, you know, I, th- I think Jason Lee, if he's given time with the Bravegate belt, can be an, an all-time great Bravegate champion. I think he can have a a POC in 2011, Kaito Ishida in 2020 level of reign. I just don't know if that's ever going to happen, and I certainly don't think it's going to happen now. Yeah, and when you look at a show that you're really... I mean, Champion Gate, for those who, this might be your first show, it is a doubleheader, uh, two days in Osaka Edeon 2, and it's really held up by the title matches. Having Jason in there guaranteeing the great match is really important, and especially when you already have Strong Machine J versus Shun in the main event of the other night. And then you also have the fact of Big Time's first match back in Japan, I believe, from their tour, and the overall situation with the Triangle Gate, of which we do not have challengers of at this time of recording. We probably will on Thursday for the Triangle Gate coming up this weekend in Osaka. Yeah, so Big Time's going to wrestle on the Corkin show this week, but in a trios match, not a straight two versus two. So the first two versus two match back uh, from America will be that second Champion Gate in Osaka show. The way they always do it is Brave Gate match and Triangle Gate match on the first night and Twin Gate match and Dream Gate match on the second night. So assuming Big Time versus the winner of Ray Day Parejas will be the semi-main event of night number two. As for the Triangle Gate match, which will headline night number one, I'm assuming, I, Mike, I'm, I'm at a loss. I don't know what they're going to do here right now. The champions are Ben K, BB Hulk, and Coach Minora, and I, I just don't know where they go in terms of finding a challenger. Yeah, it makes me wonder if you might do something. Like, you have this overall Dragon Kid and Decourage storyline that we think might be paying off pretty soon. You had Ata thrown in here. There's a lot of ways I feel like you can get to a six-man team to get there. But I just, I look at Zebrats and it doesn't make any sense. I look up and down like the rest of it. Like, you're not going to have M2K into it when you already have or m3k into it when half of m3k is in right to prejas it's just kind of a little messy here and i'm looking right now at the cork and card we'll go over it in a second jason penning um uh, you can't even have jason pen benke because there's not enough members of uh i guess across the two nights you can maybe get natural vibes you can get a natural vibes team in there with that but it's difficult. It's tough. Maybe it is something that um, uh, Susumu, Wakanda, Penn, uh, Minora, and Hulk, and then lose the tournament. And then you toss in Mochizuki Jr., and you can do a do a triangle gate match. Like That makes the most sense to me, I guess, if I'm spitballing here. Well, I, I, think, I think there's two options, and I think you hit on one of them of what would end up being Susumu Kanda and Father Mochizuki, which I, I I think would be a cold main event. You know, to me, for as as strong as Susumu and Kanda were in Ray Day Parejas, the M3K act is Mochizuki Jr. 
and it's whatever is revolving around him. And a big title match without him in it, I, I find to be very uninteresting. I, I don't know where you stand on that, but to me, that's not the direction I would go. I stand by what I've said about M3K from the jump. I just don't... The the overall reunions of M2K over the years kind of deadens the eyes, deadens like the original trio in my eyes, you know, especially since like Kness retiring last year. In a weird way, I'm like, okay, I'm ready for this next generation of M3K. So if it's Mochi in there, totally makes sense. Business sense makes makes more sense, but I I am so in on Junior's next step and him becoming his own guy that I'm, I I want to see him teaming with his uncles. I don't want to see his dad in here. I want to see Junior, and that bums me out a little bit. Are we overthinking this? And, you know, we, we talk about it being a main event. Night one traditionally draws less than night two. Night two seemingly doesn't have the strongest main event. Is it Gold Class versus D-Courage here? Is it Daya, Yoshioka, and Kakuta? And Mike, you can correct me if I'm forgetting something, but I don't think that has been a Triangle Gate team yet. No, it hasn't. So, I mean, maybe we are just trying to reinvent the wheel. And I, and I don't know, looking at this Corkin card, which we'll preview in just a second before we get out of here, you know, I don't know how we get to that without just the most basic call-out promo acceptance thing ever. But that that feels like something we can't entirely ignore. Yeah, and it's something that, like, this is going to be already a talk-heavy Corkin case that I just don't know about that. Well, okay, so hold on. So, okay, hold on here. If the finals is Minora and Hulk versus Yoshioka and Kakuta in D-Courage win, do you think they're gutsy enough to have them obviously be in the Twin Gate match the next night, but then also pull the trump card and say, we're going to challenge you for the Triangle Gate belts the night before? Yeah, because they had Daya walk around with a, with a singles and a tag belt last year. I see it. Yeah. That is, okay, well, that, that preview, that, that, that makes my pre, uh, Corkin preview much shorter. I, I think that's the direction <laughs> they're going to go. Uh, do, do you want to talk about Corkin right now? Yeah, no, oh my God, let's, let's go match by match here. I think it's a, it, it is a, what I will call an interesting show. Absolutely. So Corkin is this Thursday. It has English commentary. It is 6.30 local time. That's 4.30 on the East Coast in the morning, 1.30 in the West, 9.30 Greenwich Mean Time. They're leading off with the semifinals of Ray de Perry House 2023. The announced opener is the Courage-ass team of Yuki Yoshioka, Madoka Kakuta versus Shun Skywalker and Kai. Is there any way, really, that we see uh, the Zebrats team advance here? Because I can't see that. I think it's unlikely, but I, I can't rule it out. You know, it's it's a heavy-handed heel team, and this is... Uh, per perhaps Dragon Gate gets heat-happy as we, you know, re-emerge with cheering crowds. Perhaps they want that heat, brother, and they, they really lean into Shun and Kai here. Look, as if we didn't already harp on it enough, I think it's a mistake to have Shun and Kai in this match instead of Yamato and Doi, because now you can't do anything with Shun and Strong Machine J on this show. So you run into a number of issues here, I've said my piece. I think D Courage is going over, but I, I don't think it's a cut and dry thing. Yeah, that's a good point. That's fair. And that leaves the remaining semifinal gold class Mina Hulk, Kodaman Nora, and BB Hulk versus the original tag team, Susumu Mochizuki and Azushi Kanda. This one can go both ways. And I think a lot of that will tell us the Triangle Gate prediction for Champion Gate being that two thirds of that team is in the semifinal. 
Yeah, I, I, I see what they've done with Susumu and Kanda, and I get it, and I, I don't even have a huge problem with them in this spot. I do think I will have a problem if they reach the finals. You know, for as shaky as Hulk can be, Hulk has had a very good tournament. I'm, although I will say I'm watching a young BB Hulk in the background right now. Oh boy, uh, time has not been kind to him. But Hulk has been good in this tournament. Menorah's Menorah. I, I think to close out what has been an excellent tournament, Ray Day Parash 2023 has been great. I think you need a great match. And I think D Courage versus Gold Class will get you there much easier than D Courage versus M3K. No, I, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, match three, we do get a Ray de Parejas team, but they're not going against a Dragon Gate roster member, as it is Hyo and Ishan of Zebrats versus Ultra Soki and Teal and Shisa representing our friends at Ryuku Dragon Pro Wrestling. Yeah, I don't know about this one. I, I, I like Shisa. <laughs> I, I think Shisa's a good wrestler, but this yeah. is... I just, I don't, there's... I don't like the way this card is laid out. I I think I think they missed the mark on a few of these and I'm just I'm just not into it. I'm not into this match. Yeah, I I get that they might be in town because Gurken might need people help carrying things around here, but I well you have the, them on this card and then you don't have uh, Kaito Nakano, Yoshiki Kato or Ryofuda. Yeah, that's that's a bad look. Did they do? I I can't remember off my head. They didn't do. Did they do Nagano and Kato versus Yo and Ishin in the tournament? I don't think they're in the same block. No, oh, I, that's going to drive me nuts. Now I can't remember who's in who's in what block. Um, yeah, that's the thing about this tournament case. As we get away from it, like A block and B block were indistinguishable in my mind. Just because I think about the tag teams and the matches, I don't think about like oh, this one's A block, this one's B block. That was not anything that really came up for me over the last month. No, because there wasn't a giant dip in quality between the two. You know, you think about some G1s where it's like, oh my God, the A block this year. Thank God there's a B block show tomorrow. And that's just, that, that hasn't been the case uh, in Ray Day Barrios. Now they did wrestle. It was a house show match. Uh, my birthday, February 12th, Hyo and Ishin versus Nagano and Kato, and Hyo and Ishin won that match. So you couldn't have run that back there. But that also, I'll I'll tell you how to fix this card, assuming Fuda's healthy. Do Hyo and Ishin versus Nagano and Fuda, and then this M2K or this M3K Mochizuki Jr., Mochizuki Sachihoko boy, put Fuda or Nagano or Kato in the place of Sachihoko boy. And then I think this card is so much more interesting. Yeah, no, this is weird layout with that, but there's no weirdness about this next match case. It is a special singles match. Daiki Yanagiuchi's debut match, and he has it against Zon Fuji. Well, it was nice knowing him. I'm very jealous. You know, Mike is going to be the one doing the written review for this show and the written review for Champion Gate Night 1 in Osaka over at voiceofwrestling.com. And you're going to get to write about this debut match, which is, you know, something that I always get excited about when I have the opportunity to do it. And I think you're going to have a dandy of a, a debut match to write about. Did you say dandy because this is the former sumo dandy Fuji? Oh, of course. I definitely meant to do that. It wasn't just a happy accident. You know, I got to say, 
you're reviewing uh, these two shows. Normally, I would just have you do one. I would do the cork into the second night, but you're going to review two in a row for me because I have to go to a wedding this weekend. My best friend is getting married. Uh, she, I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before. So my best friend is a woman named Marie. She is getting married to another guy named Case, which is odd. Um, yeah, uh, I was just going to let that breathe. Yeah, Um I'm okay with it now. I I wasn't thrilled when they first got together. It, it hurt a little bit. This wedding, so I a year ago I went to my boss. I was like, hey, I need this day off. He's like, you got it. Six months ago, I was like, hey, remember, I need this day off. He's like, you got it. Two months ago, he was like, hey, that day off's not going to happen. I need you here. It's like, all right, fine, I get it. I work in an abnormal industry. Days days off aren't common. Whatever. So me and and my lady are going to hit the road at 10 a.m. Chicago time on Friday to go to this wedding. And we need to speed to Indiana because, Mike, this is the interesting part of the story. This wedding is at 4 p.m. on a Friday. And I don't know about you, but I am extremely annoyed by that. I have a wedding coming up in two weeks that is a mid-afternoon wedding. So, yeah. Is it on a Saturday at least? It is, and it's a cocktail hour wedding. That's fine. I look if it was four p.m. on a Saturday, great. You know, pass over the the mojito. I'm having a good time. Four p.m. on a Friday. Oh my god! I I was stunned when I was told that. That's that's so inconvenient for me, and I'm so not happy about it. And it's this weekend. It's it's Champion Game Osaka weekend, and the goddamn Monster Jam is in Chicago. And now I can't go to it because I'm going to be at this wedding. I'm very unhappy, Mike. Case, are you a big monster truck guy? This is new to me. I, oh, oh, oh. oh my god, it's my first love is monster trucks. They're the <laughs> they're still the coolest thing there there is. Like I love them, and I I haven't been to a live event in a number of years. But me and my girlfriend were talking about, oh, you know, I I think I, I think I can get free tickets. You know, if I email this guy, uh, it it you know, you got a car. It's a pretty short drive, Rosemont Horizon. And she's, you know, she's from Kansas City. She's all about it. She's a redneck, too. Oh, hell yeah. Um, And then we found out it was this weekend. So in one weekend, which could have been an all-timer with Champion Gay Nosaka, uh, our, my hardcore listeners will know Drug Church and Anxious and Webbed Wing and Prince Dad and the Hyena, a, a four-pack of destruction, are coming through Chicago on Friday. I cannot go to that show because I have to go to this wedding. I cannot go to Monster Jam the next day, and it's the week of three big Dragon Gate shows. This wedding could not come at a more inconvenient time. I love her to death. Happy for her. She found the right guy. So annoyed by this wedding. This would have been like the four-day weekend of Case. Oh, my God. I, could, I couldn't have drawn it up any better. Yeah. So, so who's your monster truck guy? Now that you've dropped this on me six years and doing a podcast with me that your one true love was not Dragon Gate. It was Monster Jam. Who's your guy? Oh, I'm a Tom Mintz Maximum Destruction guy. I think Gravedigger's corny as hell. If you, I, I'm not. I've never been a Gravedigger fan. So, so you're there for the love of the game, not for the spectacle. Yeah. Uh, look, I... I Yes, that's exactly it. Sorry, I got I got distracted. Not to completely jump off topic, I saw that Sol Ruka was trending on Twitter again. And God damn it! God damn I, it! Gosh, she fucking sucks. I hate NXT so much. Yeah, uh, I, I if I wanted, yeah, I go go listen to the show from three weeks ago. I don't have the energy to do that today. Case okay, so I put an offer on a house today. I don't have the energy for this. 
Oh, my God. Okay, all right. I'm reading a tweet from a rando here. It only has okay. one reply, three likes, so I shouldn't waste too much energy on it. But it says, Sol Ruka is incredible. I think she's a one-of-a-kind talent. If I was management, I'd be protecting her at all costs. I wouldn't have her use this finisher, the Soul Snatcher, which looks kind of cool, but I've also seen Kakatora do something similar. I wouldn't have her use that finisher every time she wrestles. This should be used for PLE slash mania type matches. <laughs> if the move gets botched, her career could end. I just, I don't know if I could watch NXT with a gun to my temple. I hate everything about it. I have a rate in my head for every distinct WWE property. And NXT is one of the highest rates in my mind to get me to watch that. Did you see that Tyler Bate thing from a few weeks ago? No, but I saw him show up and I was like, oh, hey, man. Ooh, hey. Go check on our friend Andy's Twitter account at some point. He took a <laughs> video of this Tyler Bate spot that is horrific. I mean, it is the worst of pro wrestling. I mean, he's showing back up in NXT. That, that, that all tracks. That all tracks. Anyways... Don Fuji's going to kill somebody on Thursday. Yep, I hope that Daiki can get back in with Cork and Hall because he might need a new opportunity and a new career after that. Uh, as you mentioned, the, uh, Big Time will be back as is a six-man tag. The Mochizukis and Sachi Hoko boy going up against Natural Vibes, KZ, Big Boss Shimizu, and Jackie Funky Kame. It should be a fine match. You know, it, it's again, nothing on the show really lights my world on fire outside of the tournament matches, but there's a chance that this is fun. Yep. And then we have non-title. Uh, it is gold class versus natural vibes. Uh, ben Rita versus strong machine J and Jason Lee. This is another weird thing about this card. I want to have another preview with the strong machine J. I know case we don't like road to matches and lead up of dragon gate dreamgate title matches but with the way that everything's laid out here i feel like that another reason to be kind of be annoyed about how things kind of laid out with Frey de Parejas, i feel like we should be having a face-off here because how else are you going to get shun and strong machine j in the ring together unless it's something convoluted this is what i was saying earlier was if you just put yamadoi in the tournament semifinals instead of shun and kai this issue resolves itself but they've put themselves in a position where they're going to be putting more focus on the Brave Gate match than the Dream Gate match. And I, and I think that's a mistake, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't, I want to like this match. I think this match could be excellent, but its existence is problematic to me. I really don't want this to be here. Yeah. It's just hard to square up what they're trying to accomplish with it. Uh, Semi main event, seven uh, unaffiliated with one, Dragon Daya. It is Yamato, Doi, Kondo, and Yoshida on one side, Dragon Kid, Kakatora, Eita, and Daya on the other one. A lot of stuff has been happening with these unaffiliated case, especially between Doi and Kondo, Eita getting involved with it. Yoshida's now wearing all of his old Cybercon gear. I'm wondering if he uh, managed to like auction off one of his old sets of gear so he has to go through the old ones. Yamato is Probably going to be in a good mood because he doesn't have to deal with New Japan anymore. Uh, Kagatora is there. This is a weird semifinal unless there's major storyline implications coming out of it. Can I get plus 2,500 odds on a Dragon Kid, Dragon Daya, Eita, Triangle Gate challenge at Champion Gate? 
Well, now that you mentioned it, I would not set it at plus 2,500. Buddy, you'll be lucky to get plus 1,000 out of me on that one. Okay. All right. That's I, I'm still... I, I'm still going to put down a fiver on that. I, I I can't rule it out entirely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that's one of the few justifications I can make and that you have these combinations the way they are, you know? Because like, I, I don't I don't feel like it's... I mean, look, if it's a Yamato, Doi, and Kondo, awesome, but I, I don't think it's going to be. Yep, and that gives us the main event of Cork, and on Thursday, it will be deciding the 2023... Uh, Ray Deprejas, it will be on one side the winner of Yoshioka Kakuda and Shun and Kai, and, the, and on the other side, Minora and Hulk with Susumu and Kanda. Look, I've said my piece. I think D Courage is going to win this tournament, and I think it's going to be over Gold Class, and I think we'll get D Courage versus Gold Class in the main event on I1, and then Yoshioka and Kakuta versus Shimizu and KZ in the semi main event too. Yep, that makes as much sense as anything. And um, I, I, I think we're going to try to see that with D. Courage, especially then you could say like, oh, hey, you can now have Dragon Kid and D. Courage as like a part of this. Like, like it makes sense in a, a lot of ways. But Case, before we get out of here, I have one question for you. What's that, Mike? Case, are you ready to remember a guy? I think I am. You know, uh, Mike, Mike and I were kicking the ball around this past week. We want to bring in... So, something new to the show and I don't think we totally know what it is yet we certainly don't want to step on the toes of Angry216 who does such a great job with the match of the week and the Drangate channel on the Voice of Wrestling Discord but we're going to play around with this idea for a second of remembering a guy and and I don't know who this guy is so Mike you have the floor yeah so I've been talking with my friends Flemish Broadcasters VRT I'm actually optioning this to the showcase so I'm going to need you to sign off on this about the, the license agreement that we have with VRT. Okay. All right. So this is a game that you're going to play and we're going to play all together. I've constructed this, this first half of this segment of which, honestly, I'm cribbing this a lot from inside the NBA. You know, Charles Barkley, who he plays for. Like, yep. like we, we're, we have a little bit of that here. But if this is something that we all like, I can do one of these every few weeks and Case, okay, so what, what I'm going to do in this first half, and hopefully this is going to be something that y'all could play along with at home, I'm going to give you six clues. And with these six clues, I want you to name a former Dragon System wrestler. I have a specific one here, and if this becomes a reoccurring thing, then there's point totals that I have given to this. Each time, as if this becomes a reoccurring segment, we will lead off with the same kind of question, a hint, basically. And and that is what era they are from. And if you somehow are able to guess this out of nowhere, like if we were playing with Dragon Kid, I would say uh, Torimon Japan. And if you would say, oh, Dragon Kid, you would immediately win 10 points. And that that would make this uh, whole entire exercise fruitless. But from there, then we have five more clues. Those are five, four, three, two, one. And with the... These clues, at any time, if you get it right, there is a point total attached to that, and you have to name the modern name of this wrestler. I think those are kind of the rules. Case, any confusion, any questions you have? No, it's a guessing game. Go ahead, Mike. All right, Case. Your first hint is this wrestler is from Toriumon X. Shit. Okay, all right. Uh, that's, that's no good. All right, so you're passing on the 10-point question? 
Uh, I'm assuming it's not Taiji Ishimori. It is not Taiji Ishimori. Okay, all right. All right, for five points, this wrestler is a part of Michinoku Pro. Okay. Okay. I'm, I, I would like to hear another hint. Yep, the, the, the hints at the beginning, not very helpful. That's why they're worth more points. Uh, hint number three. Since their departure, they have made appearances in Dragon Gate. Hmm. Currently works for Michinoku, you said. Correct. Torimon X. Not Tori- very helpful hints. Well, but they've appeared since. Who? Oh, shoot. I just had a guy in my head who I thought it was going to be. Um, okay. Um, oh, oh, oh. I can think of the guy, too, and I can't think of his name. Um shoot okay give me another hint we thought when they showed up they would stick around a little bit longer for three points he currently works in michinoku pro god okay so i'm I, the, the thing is you know when you when you name toriumon x guys it's just it's no one memorable but there's a few guys at a Torimon X that I liked there is obviously Kagatora there's Taiji Shimori there's Sugi but Sugi I, I would not claim to be Michinoku Pro I think I might have my answer all right for three points remember he this is, guy he is the other wrestler of value in Torimon X he is a Michinoku Pro mainstay now, I believe. It is Taro Nohashi. That is incorrect. We move on to the two-point clue. <sighs> Former Salsero Hapanesis. Oh, boy. Uh, God, I don't know if I know any of those guys off the top of my head. As I try to really, and boy, I, I got to say, rifling through Michinoku pro wrestlers in the year 2023 is not an easy thing to do. You know, if Torimon X wasn't uh, already a small enough pool of guys to choose from, this certainly is. Is it Ken 45? Ken 45 for two points. Case gets it correct. The last clue for one point. Formerly Pineapple Hanai. Yes, Ken45, uh, Torimon X guy, El Dorado guy, and then has kicked around Michinoku Pro ever since. I see he worked a Lionsgate show in 2018 now that I go over to his cage match. That that I might have to dig into the archives for. That is a, He worked Tenzan and Nakanishi on a Lionsgate show. Do you remember that, Mike? Yes, yes. There's a lot of reasons why I chose Ken45 for our first one. He has one of the more fascinating uh, just careers after leaving Dragon Gate or leaving Torimon X, rather. Well, walk us through it real quick before we go, then. So, like most of, so when constructing this, I should get the case we could talk about this. Basically, the first three clues are no help whatsoever because Torimon X, almost all of them ended up in Mochinoku Pro, and most of them that remained in wrestling have made appearances in Dragon Gate since. Not very helpful, those three. But the big thing about him was that we thought he would stick around 
because he made one appearance as Dr. Muscle. And the idea was that Ken 45 was going to stick around in Dragon Gate. But however, he, if I believe correctly, this was Retro El Dorado showed, like, does not show up on Cage Match, this appearance. He immediately, like, blew out his knee. And it was the, the angle was dropped. He really has not showed up ever since. But that was always a thing because he was a Michinoku pro guy. He took Torimon X. He did not really, he did show up in uh, Torimon Mexico. He stayed affiliated, but pretty quickly ended up in Michinoku pro along with the less, the rest of Torimon X. Did some Kensuke office case. Let me tell you about this match teaming with former Salsero Hapanesis. Uh, Takeshi Minamino versus Kimwi and Satoshi Kawajihara. That is a match that exists. Yeah. So just fascinating stuff there. Someone that, in the greater scheme of things, he sticks really in Michinoku Pro. He had a 2021 Gleet show in Basement Monster. It was him and Quiet Storm versus Kazayashi, my main man, Takanori Ito. So... He, he he's one of those uh, big uh, he's one of those big journeymen that with the return of Fujita Junior Hayato they did revive the big stable in Michinoku Pro Bad Boy for a little bit and it's just kind of a it's a thing that Salsera Hapanesis for those who don't know ended up being the most popular act in Torimon X just because they're very charismatic even though they were supposed to be the heels going up against the Sailor Boys of Taiji Shimori and Kei and Shu Sato. But it was the Salseros that ended up being the most popular ones. And it and just, you know, just kind of like a fascinating what if story if he wasn't injured and was not and he was able to perform his Dr. Muscle. And what if he was brought in full time, what could have happened? Because it was the same time as when Kakatoro was being brought back. Yeah, I look I that's the best summarization of his career that I've ever heard. So props to you, Mike. That is uh that is the career of Ken 45. If you like this, let us know in the discord. We would love to do another one of these. Uh, Mike, Mike, I enjoyed that on my end. So I hope the listeners enjoyed that as well. Yeah, I enjoyed that too. Uh, we will be doing stuff throughout Torimon history or Dragon System history. So it's not just going to be obscure Torimon X guys. We might get some Russell jam in here case just, just in general, because I feel like with that, with this show, some of the stuff that we really enjoy doing is getting into and talking not just about like what's happening nowadays, but like the fabric of, I mean, Torimon and Dragon Gate are approaching their 25th anniversary next year. And it's nice to remember like people, even if they might have only been around for a moment and might have been a part of Torimon X, it's important to forget Ken 45s because they are maybe not as important, but they make up the uh, rich fabric that is the dragon system. And where would it be without Los Salceros Hapanesis? You and I have a lot of work to do for Dragon Gate 25, and I look forward to sharing all of that content, both on this podcast and on VoicesOfWrestling.com. Absolutely. And Case, do you have anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? I do not. I, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, Mike, and I, I will talk to everybody. Hope, hopefully, I will say this hopefully at our regularly scheduled time next week. And if you don't get it Wednesday morning of next week, you'll get it Thursday morning. It, it might take me a few days to watch everything I need to watch. Yeah, it's going to be kind of a crazy time for, I, I think we can say both of us for the next few weeks. We're going to try to stick to the regular schedule, but we will keep you all informed. Let us know how you feel about the show. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at, at OpenVoiceGate on Twitter. 
We hang out all the time in the Voices of Wrestling Discord, either in the channel that is for Open the Voice Gate or in the overall Dragon Gate channel. I think that it's probably because both the chillest and also some of the more insightful like commentary that happens about pro wrestling, and especially inside that Discord, I feel like happens in the Dragon Gate channel. It's one of my favorite places to like, if I'm not like, and if I'm on Discord, I'm more often than not looking at what people are saying in the Dragon Gate channel, and it's the best. There's only a few channels that I read. Obviously, I love the Dragon Gate channel. I, like I referenced earlier, Angry216, who has listened to this podcast probably since its inception. I, I mean, other than other than you and Alan, I don't know of a person that has followed Dragon Gate for as long as he has. He is just as bit of an expert as anybody that I know. He does such a tremendous job with those match of the week write-ups. So a credit to him. Uh, I love the community in that channel. I really enjoy everybody that pops their head in. So uh, thank you to those who type in that channel and thank you to those who listen. Absolutely so. And if you want to follow us individually, case is at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back with you sometime next week talking to you about the first big weekend in Dragon Gates 2023. Take care, everyone. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host for You've Got to Be Kidding Me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network and Liam will do bits and whatnot.